I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today, I'm very excited to be here with Steve Sims. Steve Sims is the author of Blue Fishing, and he is uh, has been referred to as the real-life Wizard of Oz. So, uh, first of all, Steve, I, I, I'm actually going to leave it at that because I think that you explaining what all that means is going to be way more compelling than me trying to give you some grand introduction. But but thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So would you maybe just start, give give people, uh, if they haven't read your book, maybe a little bit about your background and, uh, you know, kind of what what it is to be the the real life Wizard of Oz? <laughs> you know, that title has got a double-edged sword on it. Um, so I'm the same as every other entrepreneur. I, I was an aggravated youth that wanted more out of my life. And then I went out to try and find it. You know, I was a East London bricklayer, had no money, had no future, had no mentors, um, but kind of had this thing in me that went, is this it? Is this really my life? Am I just going to be a bricklayer for the rest of my life? So I went off to try and find different jobs, um, failed at them all, became hugely educated on what I was no good at, um, ended up working the door of a nightclub. Um, and funny enough, in Hong Kong. So I'd, you know, when I say I had traveled to try and find what was good for me, I traveled to the other side of the planet. Um, but the funny thing was, entrepreneurs, we, we see opportunity even on a dark day. Um, did you know more millionaires, and this is the digress slightly, more millionaires were born during the COVID period than any other two year prior? Did you know that? It's an absolute fact. More millionaires were made during those two years of COVID than any other two year period because entrepreneurs see opportunity, seize it, and expand from it. As a doorman, I didn't think I was ever going to be able to get away from that. I thought that was it. But I became like a, a PhD, a doctorate, whatever you want to call it, of human psychology and interaction. And then what I started doing was I started getting people into nightclubs they couldn't get into, private parties, film premieres, fashion shows. And I went from getting people into like clubs in Wang Chai, Hong Kong, to ending up working with the biggest events in the planet from the New York Fashion Week, the Oscars, the Grammys, so Elton John's Oscar party. You name it, I'd probably walk down the red carpet of it. Um, and along the way, I was getting my clients into these things, not because I wanted to be in them, but because I wanted to interview them. I wanted to interview the most powerful person in the planet so I would satisfy one of their wants or desires so that I could go, hey, how do you look at opportunity? How do you look at And I would interview these people and benefit from it. Uh, five years ago, wrote a book. Didn't expect it to take off, and it bloody well did. Um, it's in like a thing like seven different languages now. Been bestseller in got everything from from China, Thailand, Vietnam, Poland. It sold out in two hours. In two hours, all of that printed copies had sold out. They had to do a reprint. Um, it got launched in Russia last year as well. Uh, so it's done really, really well. 
But back to the story of the real life Wizard of Oz. As I started to get known as the Mr. Fix-It for the most affluent people in the planet, Forbes asked to include me in an article they were doing on fantastic experiences. When I spoke to them, they came back and they went, we are not putting you in this article. We're actually going to do an article just on you. So just letting you know that. And I was like, oh, well, that's nice. Thank you very much. And then a friend of mine contacted me and he went, hey, real life Wizard of Oz. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're in Forbes, boy. You know, they've just called you the real life Wizard of Oz. You've got an eight page spread in Forbes, which is just huge. You know, you're happy in Forbes if you get a paragraph. You know, if you've got half a page in there and a good picture, ah, that's brilliant. I had eight pages. Um, so that was pretty brilliant. But I got very upset with the terminology of Wizard of Oz because as far as I was concerned, this was a fraudulent little guy that hid behind the curtain. Didn't actually ever do anything. But when they coined it the way they did, I was quite happy. So that's it. I own I own it. I am called The Real Life Wizard of Oz by Entrepreneur Magazine and Forbes. I mean, I, I can understand why you might not have loved that title off the bat, but, but it it lends itself to a certain mystique. It does. And, yeah. You know, that yeah, sort of like, because, I mean, to, to be fair, reading, I mean, your book, I, I would say your book is popular because it's, it's very well written. The story flows. It, it's, it's, it sounds like you, right. It sounds like, I think what a, what a conversation with you is. And, but also what you do. And, and I, I want to, you know, sort of dig more into it, and but what you do is not i don't i've never heard of anyone else doing that that's you know i talked to a lot of people in real estate on this podcast i've talked to a lot of uh like people in the fitness industry who have talked a lot about mindset but like what you do specifically is unlike what i've heard anyone else do maybe there are other people in the world that do it but but that ability to sort of make things happen for people is i it's fascinating to me how you how you started. Like what and, and in it's the book you tell the story. Let's, but let's, like, yeah, let's not complicate it, which which is always the fear. And for a lot of these people listening, we'll we'll help them out because a lot of people are thinking, well, what the bloody hell does he do? I went from getting people into nightclubs to doing things like having them sing on stage with Journey, playing drums with Guns and Roses, getting married in the Vatican by the Pope. I had some client that wanted a, um, a really fancy dinner in Florence. So I shut down the Academia, the Galleria Museum, so they could have a table of six at the feet of Michelangelo's David. And then I brought Andrea Bocelli to serenade him while they're eating the pasta. So it's very easy to go, I did all these things. And for everyone to go, oh my God, how did you do that? But you see, everything starts from that small millimeter of movement and momentum. If you want to do something in Italy, speak to someone that's Italian. Now, that sounds stupid, but why would I phone up someone in Idaho about something in Italy, you know? Um, so everything I always did was the classic, how do you eat an elephant, inch by inch? I would just go down. I did two things. First of all, I would go for stupid. What is a ridiculous thing that could be done here? What is a, you want to meet the rock band journey? Screw that. What if we could get you to actually perform with them? You know, you like Guns N' Roses. How about if we taught you how to play drums 
I'm Matt Sorum. What about if we got you a walk-on role in a movie? I would dream stupid and then backpedal all the way down to that first tiny little millimeter of movement. And so I never, ever saw the big goal. I visioned it, but I never was in awe of it. And then I would start with those little bits, little bits, little bits. And I've got to admit, I'm, I'm in awe. I'm stunned as some of the ridiculous shit that I pulled off. I remember when I was in uh, Florence, I just said about the dinner party I did, and uh, the client hadn't turned up. I had the entire museum to myself. And there's Michelangelo's David, the most iconic statue in the planet. And I'm sitting on a plinth with Andrea Bocelli and Veronica Bocelli, and we're all chatting. And all of a sudden, my entire body, and I'm not making this up, convulsed. It literally, I got this cold sweat. You know, they say when they say, oh, someone just walked over my grave, you know, and they say that term. I just, I shook. And I was stood next to, I was sat next to Andrea and he said in Italian to Veronica, you know, something And Veronica looked at me and she went, are you okay? And I said, you know, it just suddenly hit me where I am, what we've just pulled off with the client for the client and who I'm sat shoulder to shoulder with. It's just hit me. And that was the thing. I'm a curious kid. I've always been curious. I'm also very easily aggravated. So I'm a curious, aggravated kid, which is a bad Molotov cocktail when you're not using it right. But it's always remained me to be curious. How can I get that? How can I get through that door? You know, the amount of people that um, will walk past a, a, you know, a, a door, you know, in a, in, a, in a city and go, oh, I wonder what's behind that door, but not dare to go in. I'm always the kid that's in. And I've always, I've been into some, I've got into rooms that I shouldn't have got into. And I've had to kind of like, you know, use my charm and my legs to get out of those rooms quick. But I've always been the boy that's kind of like, how can I do that? I'm the kid that undoes the remote control just to see how it works, but then can't put it back together again. But I've never changed. So you want to know how I've been able to pull off some ridiculous things? It's because I've stayed curious, stayed aggravated, and created momentum towards that goal. It doesn't ever, did it ever even occur to you to be nervous? Like about like the people, you know, the, the stories that in your book, the stories you're telling now, like, like, I'll be honest, I was nervous to ask you to come on this podcast. Like I, like that stuff, when you, you think about people at such a high level, it makes, it, it makes most people nervous that maybe nervous isn't the right word you have limiting beliefs about why would yeah, they come it's on a, my, you know nerve being nervous is a form of fear okay and there's there's a whole multitude of what you've just said that a psychologist somewhere is just having fits on um when you look at someone and you pedestal them you're putting them away from you. How can you relate to someone when the first thing you do is stick them on a pedestal? You know, it, it's like trying to make eye contact with someone and the first thing you do is stick them on the top of a ladder. That's just stupidity, but that's what people do, you know? And then the second thing is nerves. You know, oh, I, I was so frightened. Let's talk about nerves and let's talk about fear. I do get nervous. And I do get kind of um, cautious 
I won't say scared, but I do have a fear. And my fear is to not ask. You see, for me, what's scarier? Actually chatting and trying to get, you know, Elton John to do something or Elon Musk or Richard Branson. Is that scarier than me running away and hiding and not even trying? You see, I have great FOMO. For me, the fear, the climatic pain is me not trying. If I try and go, hey, can I get Elon Musk to come to my cocktail party tomorrow night and, you know, serve drinks? And they go, uh, no. <laughs> oh, okay. At least I tried. But you know the weird thing is? I'm on your podcast because you did something so stupid, you asked. Now, if you hadn't have asked, you could have guaranteed I wouldn't have been on your show. But you dared to ask. And what happened? I turned up. The amount of people that I ask things of, and shockingly, because I've asked, I get it. So what's scarier? Not asking and getting a guaranteed no, and then always living with the, oh, I didn't want to ask because I was scared because, oh, he's on a pedestal. He's much bigger than me. And all that horse shit ought to actually just try. Yeah. No, I mean, it's 100%. Everything you're saying makes 100% sense. I'm just trying to, I think most people don't have that mentality. And it seems like you always have. Like it doesn't, doesn't sound like you ever sort of worried about rejection or worried about, you know, someone saying no. You, it sounds like you always wanted, you know, you were willing to ask the questions. And I, I like, when I read your book the first time, I thought, I thought this is super cool. The guy, you know, the guy does this stuff. That's amazing. Like in a, in a sense of like, that's cool that someone else does it. When I read it the second time, I actually started to think maybe this is, maybe he's really onto something. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you do just ask, maybe you do, you know, you, you make, you make, I, I don't have any, <laughs> I don't have any illusions that like Elton John's coming to hang out at my house, but, but I think that the, there are things within what I try to do, like in real estate, when we're trying to raise capital, that's a, sometimes a scary prospect of ask. You're, it's like you're, you're talking to people about money and getting them to invest. But, but if I look at it from the perspective that you just described, then it, it changes the way that, why the way that works in your mind, I think, but it just, it seems like you never had to change that perspective. It seems like you kind of always had that, so I'll give you I'll give you an annoying little story. Um, this was probably about I don't know, nine, ten years ago, and I had moved into Hollywood and we were having a dinner party, and I had it was quite an impressive little dinner party. We only had about 12, 14 people at the party, but we had a couple of people that were the actors in the new at the time Marvel franchise, you know, and they were talking about the, the you know, Marvel's gonna do loads of movies and it's going to be a big you know um trilogy and all this kind of stuff and a uh, big series and one of the actors uh from this and again i'm a bricklayer from london here i am in hollywood having a dinner with a bunch of icons vcs directors a couple of musicians and a couple of actors on big hollywood movies you know i was sitting there thinking this is pretty cool 
And one of the actors of the Marvel, and I won't quote his name, not, not care about that. And uh, he said, hey, I'm a superhero in this movie. If you had a superpower, what would it be? And they went around the table and everyone had to name what that superpower would be. Now, I was opposite him. So I had quite a lot of the table before it got to me. And I'm trying to think of something that made me sell, make me sound smart. Like I want to remove poverty with the flick of a wrist, or I want to be able to, you know, um, remove, you know, stop it raining or, or make it rain in drought areas or feed everyone with just a wink of an eye, something like that that made me sound profound and intelligent, right? And I was drawing a blank. I wasn't coming up with anything. And as it got to me, I'm like, shit, shit, shit. I've got to sound smart. I've got to sound... Bear in mind, they're at my house. They're at my house. They're at my table. They're my friends. And I was concerned about looking stupid in front of them. And as I'm thinking, my wife just turned around. She went, hang on, Steve. I got this. Now, there's nothing better than when someone else says something good about you. So I went, all right, baby. And I said, tell them, tell them, what is it? And she turned around and she went, Steve's superpower is ignorance. <laughs> and I looked at her and she looked at me and she smiled. And then the whole table just kind of started looking at each other. And then I thought to myself, hang on a minute. She just called me ignorant. You know, I'm going to get a divorce. And you could feel the temperature of the table start to sink. And she turned around and she went, no, 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 hang on a minute. You all know Steve. You all know what he's done. You all know what he's pulled off. How many times has he pulled something off? And you've sat there and gone, how the bloody hell did he manage to do that? The reason he was able to do it was because he didn't see any other way it would come out. He didn't see that he could possibly get a no. He didn't see them disagreeing with him in any way, shape, or form. He was ignorant to any other outcome than the one that he walked through the front door with. And that was it. I literally have been ignorant to anyone laughing at me, ignorant to anyone poking fun, ignorant to anyone throwing hatred at me, uh, discord, scam, whatever. The, the, the usual haters all over the internet like to play around with, I mean, I don't hear it. I don't see it. And so in which case, I've got the outcomes that I've seen, and I'm ignorant to any other opportunity. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's a very funny story. And, and I imagine at that moment, you're like, thanks, honey. I don't, yeah, <laughs> sorry, it, was, it was, a, there was tension. For a yeah. few seconds, there was tension until she saved it. And then I was like, Whew, thanks, girly. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, it was a bit scary at first. Yeah. And, but I mean, it, it's, it's a hard way to, it's a, a hard way for a lot of people to be, to, to ignore. And I mean, especially in this day and age with social media and stuff like that, it's like, anyone can say anything to anyone, right? Like anyone, you have a social media profile, you know, I, I can post a picture of my kids and someone would be like, your kid's funny looking. And like, there's, there's nothing you can do about it. So, but so many people take offense to whatever it is, whatever some troll wants to say to them, to be ignorant to all of that, especially in a position of, you know, whether it's you or the, you know, the people that you're at this dinner party with that, you know, everybody has, everybody that have reached that level of success and, and uh, notoriety, someone wants to say something bad about them to, to knock them down for, 
for no reason. There's no reason. But you can only be offended and affected by it if you give it power. Yeah. You see, Instagram doesn't pay my mortgage. So if someone on Instagram says, you're a fat, bald British fella, that doesn't affect my mortgage. It doesn't affect my bar tab tonight. So until something is done that affects me, it's got no power. Um, And so I don't understand why people cry when they don't get a million hits because they think they said something funny that maybe wasn't. Um, It just, for me, I'm a little bit, I just think you've got to be careful what you give give power today. And the haters don't deserve it. No, that's that's great advice. I mean, that, that could go to, to anyone. <laughs> there, yeah, absolutely. Of, absolutely. You know, kids, teenagers, high school, you know, young people that are are put, as you said, like put putting so much power to what is said on social media that it, you know, ruins them. They have, you know, all this anxiety and, and all they that. Do. They do. They do. There was brutal. some, there was some influencer girl, and I find that word funny. In fact, today I actually posted on my Instagram, isn't it funny? Uh, no, I put on there, wouldn't it be amazing if every person that was an influencer actually had to have achieved something before they could call themselves an influencer? But you get so many people up there, most of it is young girls, you know, most girls look brilliant when they're young um, and they put on a bikini and they suddenly think they're an influencer and then they try and sell a T-shirt and no one buys it. See, this is another thing that gets down to one of the things that I coach and I teach now is what's your number? You know, a lot of people are out there. I need a million hits on my YouTube channel. Why? How many clients can you take? You know, four. Why do you need a million? All you need is six and have a conversation with all six of those to find out if you can solve the problem of four of them. So it's amazing today how many people are so focused on the wrong metrics. Yeah. Yeah. And I, what you just said about, you know, sort of speaking to clients and, and finding out how you can help them was another one of the really, I think, great underlying themes of the book in that you talk about, you know, when people come to you, you say you ask why three times. Yep. And I, I would, would love if you'll sort of, in your word, I don't want to try to recap it but but what you mean by that because i think it's actually a really powerful concept and it's something that if you're approaching whatever it is whatever business you're in if you're approaching it from the perspective of you're you're trying to help someone serve someone do in and not putting yourself first like this is a great concept i think to to sort of live by in in any business yeah so we wanted to make sure that we avoided being a transaction and transactions are when you say, I want a Coke and a burger, and I go, there you go. Or when you go on Amazon and you order a toilet bowl. Those are transactions. I didn't want a transaction. I wanted a connection. So we decided to understand, was this really what you were asking for? So people will say to us, hey, I want this. I want this. And we go, great. Why? And it's probably one of the most argumentative words in the human language. You, you say to someone, why? And it stops them. Hey, I want a Coke. Why? It really can just like bowl them over. But when someone's saying to you, oh, I want to I want to scale my business to $10 million. Oh, I want to meet Elton John. Oh, I want to go to uh, Hong Kong. Why? It makes them evaluate and concrete the request. Oh, uh, because 
uh, I want to do this. Okay, now we've got a little bit more meat on the bone. Oh, you want to do that? Why is that important? Uh, because if I did this, this would happen. Ah, we've got the, now we're getting to the actual end of the journey. We're getting to the root of it now. So you want this to happen so that can happen for this. Why is it important to be doing this now? You know, why didn't you do it five years ago? Why don't you wait five years? So we're getting them to, to reaffirm what that goal is, but to actually shape it down into the core. Now, because I've quizzed them and because I've challenged them, I've been able to get down to the actual bolt and raw uh, spine of the request, and that's where I work. I'm in the core. I know the full objective now here, and I can work with that rather than the surface level. You say to a lot of people, hey, you just won a million dollars. What would you do? That'd say, oh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd have a pool party with a load of swimwear models. And you go, oh, that's great. But what would you do in two months' time? And then they go, oh, well, actually, uh, I'd look after my mum or I'd buy her a house. Or You get into the real reasons. So people today are actually embarrassed about telling you what they want. You know, you know, if I say to someone, what's your biggest dream or fantasy? They won't say it's to live without poverty. They'll go, oh, it's to go to the space or hang out with Elton John. There's knee-jerk reactions, and you have to uncover those to get to the real, uh, real substance of someone's being. Yeah, yeah, no, it makes, makes sense. So how, how does it work, right? If someone comes to you and they're, they have a request, whatever. What, what would you, if, what would they do? Would they just kind of show up and they, they ask you a question and you just figure out how to, how to make that? I mean, is it really like the Wizard of Oz? Like, I, yeah, I want, I want courage, or I need, I need a heart <laughs> in my tin chest. Like, how does that, how does it work? It hasn't really changed. You see, five years ago when the book came out, I was still running the world's leading experiential concierge firm. Uh, now I actually teach and coach business owners on how to grow their business, brand, market, do social, and how to really get the clients that they want and not the clients that they get. And you would think that those two things were very different. You know, meeting out on John, you know, launching your business, two very, very different things. But no, it all starts with a goal, an objective, and a reason why. You know, why do you want your business to be so successful? Why do you want a million hits? Why do you want to make $10 million? Why do you want to open up the company in Austin and not in California? It's still a case of just understanding what the core reason is and then running backwards to see what do we need to do today that's going to get us to create in that path. You see, a lot of people go, oh, I want to do this. I've got to build a plan. No, you've got to dream of the objective. Do you know in Google... They actually have a department of futurists. They're actually called futurists. They dream of another world, another time, another dimension. And then they go, well, what problems would we have in these dimensions? And they try to create problems in dimensions we haven't even got to yet so that they can get backpedaled to make sure that problem doesn't occur or to actually come up with a source um, to make sure that it's eradicated or we can get over it. They're actually called futurists. Google are actually paying dreamers to dream. And that's a beautiful thing. 
you need to be a dreamer. Yeah, that's that's pretty. I didn't know that. That's yeah. I mean, I I don't know what the qualifications are for that job, but it sounds like <laughs> a pretty phenomenal job. Do you have? Yeah. To, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if the same people that are dreaming the problems have to solve the problems, but uh, that's a that's a pretty amazing. It's a cool. And thing. I mean, but also like, what a brilliant business strategy, right? Like, yeah, it's stuff like that. Why? That's why you know the Googles, the Apples, the Amazons, like. Uh, Tesla is like th- that's why the, those companies are the biggest companies in the world because they're not just trying to plug everybody and everything into little boxes and this is how our day goes and all of this. They're like actually letting people think of the future and of of what because yeah the world's going to look different in five years and ten years and twenty five years and it's like what if you can be ahead of that like. There's no, there's no better way to succeed in business than to predict the future, right? Like that. that so that's a that's a pretty uh, amazing. I, I didn't know that. I I know vaguely of some of those companies having you know sort of these conceptual type departments, but that's a that's a pretty cool. Yeah, they uh, exist. Cool thing. So so you're doing mostly now your your business coaching. Are you not doing the concierge anymore? You kind of do it. No, I kind of moved away from spending rich people's money. Um, probably about four years ago. And now I try to help entrepreneurs make their own. Um, so most of the stuff we do now, yeah, I teach and I speak all over the planet. In fact, Monday, um, I fly to Puerto Rico for two days and then I come back, I come back at like one o'clock in the morning and eight o'clock AM the same morning I fly to open up a mortgage convention in Tahoe. So I literally travel all over the planet speaking, coaching, and training people on how to amplify their goals, amplify their message, and how to amplify their brand by removing any kind of confusion. So a lot of my stuff now is focused on entrepreneurs, businesses, and coaching and training. That's and it, I know you mentioned this that it, you know, you would think those are different skills, but yep. no, it's it's it like in reality, you you've sort of perfected the art of figuring out what people really want. And that's important if what they really want is to meet Elton John. That's also important if they want to grow their business. So I, I think it's just that that fits in perfectly and makes, yep. makes total sense. And and yep. and I think in reality having having the backstory that you do just makes it that more, that much more like appealing, entertaining, whatever, whatever word you want to use to have someone like you that, that can, can kind of be in both, in both worlds. So, so it makes total sense. Um, well, let me, let me switch gears, Stephen. I'll, I'll ask you the questions that I like to ask every guest. And uh, I think this, the first one is, is based on the name of the show being Know Your Why. And, and we talked, you know, about, you know, asking why three times. So I guess I'm asking you, what is your why? You know, what, what kind of, drives you uh, forward in, in this to this level of success? Momentum. Um, I have a fear, and it's a very big fear, and a friend of mine actually put it brilliantly, Joe Polish. He said, the definition of hell is to meet the man or woman that you could have been. And so I never want to miss an opportunity. And when I say miss an opportunity, if I try something and I fail, I just became educated. So... 
I want to take every possible opportunity, every possible door, every possible chance to grow, expand, taste, feel, experience. And so I want to continually grow. I would hate for my life, and my life is good, but I would hate to have my life the exact same in six months' time as it is today, without failing, without growing, without trying, without experiencing, without living. So fear propels me to constantly try different things. So there is at least something you're afraid of. Oh, yeah. Not, yeah. It's, 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 talking it's, to... it's me. It's, I'm scared of me being me in six months' time. Um, second question, tell us something about yourself that maybe isn't common knowledge, a uh, special skill, a hobby, whatever you think would be, uh, you'd like to share. I suppose, uh, probably one of the biggest misconceptions is that I'm exciting. Uh, I'm probably one of the most boring people you've met and I'm an introvert. And I know for a lot of people hearing this and seeing the kind of stuff I get up to, they go, well, how can you be an introvert? Introverts do things for a purpose. They know that if they do this, it moves the needle, okay? Um, I do what I do to get to my end goal. I don't like walking down red carpets. I am the worst person at a networking party. I just want to sit in the corner, have my old-fashioned, and have a conversation. In fact, I avoid networking events. Hate them. So I would say probably the biggest surprise to a lot of people that they may not be aware of is how much of an introvert I actually am. How do you avoid networking? And then yet at the same time, you, you know, all these famous people, that's, that's just amazing. But I get, yeah, if there's the purpose yeah. behind those interactions, I, that, that makes yeah, sense. I'll do what I need to do to get what I want. Uh, when people hear this and they would like to reach out, uh, you know, whether that's for coaching or whatever you'd like to promote, we can put, we'll put it all in the show notes. Oh, I'm at stevedsims.com. So D for dashing. Uh, there's only one M in Sims, Steve D Sims, either.com or anything. If you like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, anything like that, just search Steve D Sims. I am the exact same search term in every kind of media platform. Probably do most of my stuff on Instagram, but you know, Steve D Sims, any way you consume media. Okay, perfect. We'll have that in there. Um, last question for you. What piece of advice do you give to people that are, you know, trying to, we'll, we'll gear it towards your, your coaching and stuff, you know, trying to, trying to help their grow their business, help their business succeed. What, what would you tell them? Uh, I'm sure you give them lots of advice, but maybe, maybe in the beginning, what, what kind of things do you point them towards? Uh, the first thing I always tell people is ignore you. It ain't about you. A lot of people focus today on how they look, what they sound like, how pretty that website is. No one gives a shit. Focus on how you can solve your client's problem and get your client talking about you. I'm very good at networking because I don't do it, but I get my clients to talk about me to their friends. And that's where I always got my business. So stop worrying about you. Step back and go, hey, am I focusing my attention on me? Or am I focusing my attention on my clients? Nine times out of 10, you will find most businesses spend too much time focusing on their desks, their chairs, their websites, their social, how pretty they look, their videos. Screw that. Focus on your client. Yeah, that's perfect. I love it. 
well, listen, I, I really do appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you taking the time and uh, you know giving us giving us a bit of your story. And, and everyone should read this book. I have it, <laughs> but it's a yeah, fantastic book. And like I said, entertaining thank you. read. So so thank you very much, Steve. I, I do appreciate it. Uh, and I hope you have uh, a good rest of your day. Brilliant. All the best, pal. Thank you. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.